Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell. I'm your host, Terry Carell. It's so good to have you, um, you know, be a part of my community. We started last week with a bang. I mean, I felt like a million dollar bag juice. Nobody couldn't chat to me. I saw the tags, the mentions, the screenshots. I saw the person saying, yes, she's back. And it feels so good to be back. Thank you for sharing your enthusiasm, your excitement. Thank you for sharing my podcast with your individual and respective networks because it means that the community grows, the message grows, and hopefully it reaches into other spaces and territories where it can hopefully inspire and motivate others, right? If you're new to the community, you can follow me or become a part of the best community ever at Terry Carell. And if you book upon or stumble upon anyone's profile or story that you think makes for a great redirection story, tag me, mention me, use the hashtag redirection with TK, and I will definitely go and give it a look and investigate. You can also reach me via my contact page on terrycarell.com if you know someone or if you yourself has a, if you have a redirection story, I'd love to hear from you. So on this episode, this is going to be very different. You know, typically I'm the one who's interviewing. After all, this is redirection with, with Terry Carell. However, uh, it was Garfin Grandison, one of my, my best friends, bestest friends, who looked at me and said, TK, you know, you went to Birmingham, you delivered a TEDx talk and you kind of came home and dived all the way back into motherhood and face-to-face at school and career and your itinerary. And you really haven't shared any of your journey with us. And so he says, I think your community deserves it. So uh, this interview is actually thanks to Garfield Grandison. So you guys can go and big him up. So he's going to interview me. And for those of you who don't know Garfield Grandison, you know, he's just an amazing communicator, PR guru. He is a creative, um, all-round nice guy, one of the best friends or the greatest people you could ever have in your inner circle. And he's always just so selfless and always thinking about others and putting others before himself. And I'm just so honored that he gets to sit down as the interviewer and I will actually be in the redirection uh, seat today. So this is Redirection with Terry Carell and it starts right now in partnership with Toyota. want to get the most out of every minute and every mile of your life. That's why Toyota is the brand most Jamaicans drive for life. Reliable, affordable, and durable. Everything you want from a vehicle, Toyota delivers. Enjoy your life's journey with a Toyota. Toyota Jamaica. Let's go places. So Terry Carell, 
is happy to have you happy to have you, you on my show happy, <laughs> <you> are, <laughs> yes definitely your show but you're actually in the hot seat tonight um in a different capacity normally you're, you're you're the one asking the questions but today we're switching it a little bit and it's all about me questioning you getting the people to know what makes Terry Carell tick or who is Terry Carell what makes her the dynamo that she is wow. and so with that being, I am going to say welcome again and are you ready I think so well I, 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 I you're my best friend and so you have a lot of access to me you know a lot of things about me so I mean I'm just like oh, one day's what you going ask me <laughs> but I'm so yes, happy right. to have you Thanks for having me. And again, for everybody to know these questions, she did not hear them before. She did not help me to write them. So it is really going to be um, uncensored with Terry Carell. Yeah. you remember when he hosted that show? Years ago. you remember yeah. when he hosted that show? Okay, okay. See, I know you're too long. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna jump right into it, um, Terry. My first question I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. tell us your story. Who is Terry Carell? How did you get to where you are right now? Like that's gonna be the first, that's a hard question, G. That's the first question, that's the first question. Um, I think honestly, like most people, uh, I just, I, I had the honor and I think the blessing of growing up in a household that was led by my grandma and supported by my mom. And, you know, I always say that uh, without any shame, because a lot of the times I have to deal with people saying, you know, when children grow up with the full family and the father and the mother, you know, they raise better children, X, Y, Z. And for years, we've been kind of uh, made to, to, to feel as if we're outsiders or outcasts because we come from single parent homes. And yet still, I think the reason I am the way I am is because I had that amazing support system from my mom and my grandma, mommy being the breadwinner and grandma being the, the matriarch and shaping and molding me and telling me things like, you know, um, how you relate to people, your reputation, um, the, the impressions that you leave on people, the experiences you create, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? I think that's the reason I am the way I am, I am today. And like everyone else, you experience things through your lens. You learn one thing in school, but then you realize life is something completely different. And you hold on to the the foundation and the learnings and the teachings um, from 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 your base, and and that's what has led me to to who I am today. In in a nutshell. Okay. So over the course of these past couple of months, you've heard you talk to a, a, a lot of different guests and persons, or they come and they bear their souls and they tell us about their 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 journey and what led them to redirection. Mm-hmm. Terry Carell. What's your redirection story? My redirection story. Um, my redirection story. A lot of persons know my redirection story as starting out when um, I was I had accreditation issues with veterinary medicine. That's where most people know my 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 story. But my redirection story actually started off when I was in Campion College. At the time, I was probably in second form. And it was a time when I think my family experienced like the roughest time ever. And I remember being on the veranda with my grandma, actually, and we were reading the Gleaner. And in the Gleaner at the time, it said that our house was up for auction. Like, I 
didn't even know at the time. I didn't, I couldn't comprehend what that was because we weren't involved in, in mortgage issues. And, you know, you just grow up as a child and, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pay, you, you, you take your This is a house that you know, this is where you grow up. This is my family yeah, yeah. home. This is my family home. And, you know, I remember my grandma just stopping on the veranda and saying, oh my God. And I was like, so what does this mean? And in that blink of an eye, what you realize is that there's a possibility that you could very well be homeless. Yeah. You understand? And I, and I, and I, it's funny because I took my grandma to the doctor for a normal checkup a couple, a couple months ago. And, you know, well, I actually have it on, 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 on camera because I'm trying to document a lot of our conversations now because I don't know how long we'll have each other. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you grow, you, you've grown up to be a nice girl. You know? And I said, well, thanks, grandma. You know, a lot of it is because of you, you know. And she said, you remember those KFC days? And I was like, huh? It took me a while to catch on to what she was saying. And she was like, yo, you remember those KFC days? And I was like, yeah, word, word. Those KFC days. And maybe that is why I, I am a loyalist to KFC. KFC, I was, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What grandma was reminding me of, she said, remember the time when our water did cut off and we had to use like empty bottles and we'd always go into the KFC and we'd fill, it, we'd fill up our bottles in the bathroom and we'd carry home those bottles. I mean... It's, 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 it's amazing how sometimes we move on from our situations that we don't even remember what it was like when we were in there. And I, re- I remember it. And I remember sometimes not wanting it to be so obvious that sometimes we would go to a gas station. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can, I can tell you about that being the roughest, hardest time in my life. And I was still a champion. Nobody knew. I was still getting to class on time. I wasn't missing classes. My uniforms were always clean, you know, and, and, and I could sit and I could tell you, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And, you know, but, and, and I don't share this story because I don't want that to be my story. You know, I don't want, I don't want people to hinge on that, which is why most people know the issue from veterinary medicine. But what I remember isn't that it was the hardest time. I remember the persons who helped me. I remember Miss Shaw in the main office who used to give me lunch money. Miss Shaw. Shaw in the Campion College main office. She used to give me lunch money and I used to make that lunch money stretch. But what I remember Garfine was during that year, the hardest year of my life, I tied for first with Trevor David Roan in second form and you know campion highly competitive you could get a 98 percent average and still come 10th and 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 i remember yeah i remember at that point in time saying to myself and you know at this time you don't have the internet you don't have social media you don't have access to all of these affirmations and motivational people and but in that moment i knew that this was not going to be permanent like my pain was not going to be permanent and even though this may be the darkest time of my life, I still have to show up. It don't mean that, no, I just don't bother care. I don't bother go to school. Because it's very easy for you to probably take that route. And for me, it was never an option. It was now that we're in this place, I have to work even harder to ensure that I honor myself and I honor my family. You know, And so, and so I think redirection for me happened then, facing... Well, we never, I mean, it wasn't something I was accustomed to and still just moving past it like it was nothing. Yeah, um, that's packed with a lot of a, a lot of lessons in that one little redirection moment. Oh, I also want to pull one thing out. 
how were you able to get over that hurdle or tell yourself that there's more out there for you? Um, there, there, you know, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Going through all that you were going through, you said it was a rough year. What's, what's the thing that made you push to go even further? Whether thing or person that made you push? Right. I would love to tell you that I was born this way. You know, it's just my personality. But I think our, <laughs> I think our personalities are, are it's, it's conditioning. I think I was blessed enough to have a grandma who did a great job at securing me in terms of my self-awareness. You know, yeah. who am I? What's the priority here? What are we trying to do? What do you want to, to do with your life? Like she poured a lot into me. And I think, you know, we take those things for granted. Sometimes we share these things with children and we think we're not listening. Sometimes people don't realize what the impact of, uh, you know, you have until your back is against the wall and how they respond and react. You realize that the, the work that you put in and the investment that you make, you know, actually paying off. And so for me, I think I was able to get over the hurdle because of the work that was put in from before. Okay. All right. So we're going to, we're still on the, the, the campaign college days now. Um, what I want to ask you with all of what you said a while ago, what was the one childhood memory? That what? Your fondest childhood memory, that the fondest childhood memory that is that you that you hold on to. Oh my gosh, really? My fondest childhood memory was probably um, being the head, um, what do you call it, the character, the character in the, the final, you know, the Christmas fight, the Christmas play at the end of your, your year at school. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I ended yeah. up, I ended up nailing the the role, and yeah. funny, and, and what's funny because I attended Saint Andrew Prep, and I remember at Saint Andrew Prep, I was house captain, farm captain, school captain, every kind of captain. You know, I eventually I was student of the year there, and I remember there was this particular time when I just got this hard, I was just getting this hard time from some of the girls that I considered to be my friends. You know, it was always, you know, why I answer so many questions and why I this and why I that and I go on like, you know, you always come across them. I didn't understand it, though. And I remember going home and crying to my grandma saying, you know, why is it that they don't like me? Like, I don't talk bad about anybody. I don't trouble anybody. And I remember when um, Mrs. Broderick said, you know, that we're going to be looking for the cast. We're going to be doing auditions uh, and we'll be doing auditions on a particular day during a particular time. I never went. I actually stayed in my class because this was my way of giving somebody else a chance since you know a chance. i was meant to feel like me just enough uh i stayed back in the classroom i think it was just myself and another student and of course the auditions were taking place in our little auditorium and i remember a student coming and looking for me and saying yo miss Broderick, send me for you you know and i was like what why and they, just, they were like no you just need to report and when I got there, she said, you're going to go and audition for, for this role. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to. She's like, but I expected you to. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to. And I had to audition and I nailed the part. And I think that's one of my fondest memories because it was something that I never intended on doing, similar to like a digital stars. You know, I was, it, wasn't, it wasn't my intention, but um, yeah. somebody... It fell into your lap. Yeah, and it was, it was somebody insisting that I did it. And I think that's one of my fondest memories, yeah. I'm going back a little there. You spoke about your high school where you had all these persons who used to, and I want to use this word very loosely, hated on you. Um, I've been there. I, I know what it's like. Um, I've been there on two folds. 
I've been the person being hated on, and I've also been the really person hater. hating on someone else because you know they're a certain way. Because you know, in high school, they have that transition period where you're trying to find yourself based on your, your friends or just within your own self. Mm-hmm. So, what would you now have to say to the little girls out there who feel like they're being bullied and feel like they have to small up themselves mm-hmm. because of someone else's insecurity or someone else's issues that they might be having? What do you have to say to those little girls out there? Even our boys, because it goes across the field. Oh, oh, sure. In fact, boys, boys experience it a lot as well. It's just that boys are taught not to talk right. about it. Boys are taught to man up, you know, what you're complaining for, you know, young girl, unfortunately. Uh, but, but, but it's something that boys and girls uh, go through. And, you know, you look back as you, you get older, um, experience teaches wisdom. You realize that a lot of the times the very children who bully you, the very you know, children who hate you and who um, heckle and, you know, they mock and they jeer. A lot of them is it's an attention. You know, a lot of them lack in a lot of areas. A lot of them are insecure. A lot of them are also trying to find themselves. A lot of them don't understand outside of what they know. And so um, for anyone who's struggling, I know it's easier said than done, but so many of us have been there. You have to learn to block out the noise. You have to understand that it's not your fault. It's not, it's not about you being smaller. It's about them being uncomfortable with your greatness. It's them being uncomfortable with your light. And it's, it's not your responsibility to make them feel comfortable. It's not your responsibility to accommodate and to facilitate them. It's your responsibility to ensure that your personal development and your professional development and your social development and everything that you want to be is, is, is accomplished and is actualized and it cannot be done and it will not be done if you're listening to other people. You can't please everybody. You will not please everybody. And so I think the most important person who you need to really start pleasing is yourself. Now, does it mean you don't listen to outside opinion? Is, does it mean that you don't take constructive criticism? Absolutely not. You won't grow that way. But we have a way of knowing what is destructive and what is constructive. So when you start to become in tune with yourself, you start to understand when somebody means you well versus when somebody doesn't, you start to filter and you keep what is necessary and you filter all the garbage. And I learned that early. Okay. I'm glad you're happy you said that because being now someone who we're now being introduced as someone who is extremely self-aware, someone who is able to filter um, all of the noise to then make a decision that is able to serve you. I want you to, we're now going through champion days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll pass that. Um, I want to, we, we are aware of what happened in Cuba as mm-hmm. well and in terms of your, 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 your journey there and your scholarship. We're at Miss Jamaica now. How did you get onto that Miss Jamaica stage. What, who was the person that pushed you? Because I know that was not a territorial decision. No, it wasn't. And that's why it was a shock to a lot of my closest friends <laughs> when they heard that I ended. They were like, what are you talking about? We never saw Terry was a tomboy. We know that. Terry was a, Terry was a tomboy. Um, big Afro, everything. We, we know that. What, what or who made you make that decision? And what was your thought process or your rationale to say, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to do it. I think uh, Mark McDonald, who was a trainer at 
the Spartan Health Club, which at the time was a franchise franchise holder. A lot of these guys, these trainers, personal trainers, were also fantastic recruiters. That's one thing I've learned over the years. A lot of the times they're in places, they go to parties, you know, or even in the gym, they spot people and they'll say, hey, have you ever thought of Mm -hmm, mm so-and-so? Now, Mark, I I knew Mark McDonald because he was the cousin of a campionite. We were in the same year, Eddie. And I just remember always coming home late from Cuba, you know, our classes finished late. So by the time I got home, there was never any, any, any summer school. No, it's not summer school, excuse me, summer jobs. No. And I remember the year one, Mark was like, Hey, you know, I think you should enter Mr. Maker World. And I remember looking at him going, are you like, are you done? Like, are you like, look at me, you know, I am wearing boxers, size 36 jeans, you know, marinas, um, high top sneakers and my hair is in a puff and I'm like what are you talking about what are you talking about so you know you just uh, anyways anyways he also lived in Portmore so the second consecutive year I came back Mark saw me again and said hey Terry so you wouldn't and I'm like are we still on this train I thought you understood that this train now leave this station you know <laughs> third year he mentions it again. I end up like in an executive bus right beside him, seat to seat, and he starts talking, you know, boy, you know, Mr. Maker World is coming up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then jumps in Francisco, who is the um, nephew, I think, of Mr. Uh, Mickey Houghton James, like his family. Mm-hmm. He met me and said, I think you'd be a great candidate. And I was just like, yeah, these people are clearly playing up to my ego. And then finally, uh, my in-laws, you know, they were like, we think you should do it. We think you can do it. And I was like, I don't know. And I took a bus on the final day uh, where they were taking the applications, took a bus with my mom up to Spartan Health Club, signed the application and the rest was history. You know, we had to show up at the Pegasus. And I remember entering the elevator, coming upstairs. uh, And I think it's talk of the town. And when Mm -hmm. I looked around the room, I saw, I think it was like 90 of us that showed up that day girls that were just so beautiful they had on makeup they had their hair done they were rocking you know swimsuits out I, I mean i felt like a fish out of water i was just like this is the worst decision i've ever made in my life uh i just was not prepared in terms of i had no makeup you know i just was i don't know what was going on but i ended up being called um contestant number 14 out of the 16 girls who who were chosen and boy, I never, I never looked back. I remember that night. Um, I'm gonna skip the auditions. I remember that night when you won. Um, you were my favorite, actually, and 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 the reason why, I don't remember if I told the story. I probably have. The reason why I thought that you were um, you were a favorite. You were my favorite to win. Mm-hmm. No, you're one of my favorites. But I had you know, yeah, that's what you say. Yeah, man. It was the first time you've seen the girls. So yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you were up there, and I was just like, I like this girl's energy. I like her spirit. I like it. it to me, it's like a what you see is what you get. Yes. Even though you are you're dolled up, you're still a level of um don't hear about you correct there's a level of down to earthness about you and you know you, you, you had the afro that was a big thing for me too uh, i was like yeah man this girl i think she's she genuine and you're one of my favorites to win and you won mm-hmm. um 
And then you were starting to prepare for Miss Jamaica, for Miss World. Mm-hmm. What stood out for me again, you did an interview um, on TV, like a journey to go or something like that. And they were following you around doing your shopping experience and stuff. I remember that. <laughs> you were downtown. Yes, sir. In a little wholesale, picking up things. And I'm just like, I am mind blown. I was like, I am not expecting a Miss Jamaica to bring somebody downtown. And I think that for me was just like, this girl is the business. Like, I want her to go all the way. So I say that to say that. I think most of Jamaica at the time when they were watching, I think that's the same sentiment, which is probably how the moniker, um, your Jamaican girl is coined because people saw themselves in you. There was no pretense. Um, there was just, there's just love and, and, and just that, that natural spirit. And so I just had to say at that point, um, I thought that you, you, you are really authentic. You're being your true self. And I appreciate it. That's just me, my two cents. Which is not going to bring me to my no, next well, question. Well, first of all, I, I appreciate that. And you know what's very interesting? I remember someone at the gym because, you know, Spartan Health Club is the hub. So we, I'd always mm-hmm. go there for my trainings and whatnot. Uh, there was a woman who said in the bathroom to me, she said, um, you know, you're lovely. You're lovely. You know, I think you're going to do very well. You have local appeal. You'll have international appeal. Um, and she said one thing she said was was that um, but but don't share um, downtown. You know, I, I mean, I know you might be happy with, the, you know, the fact that you shop down there and that, you know, you have ties down there and that's where you're prepared to go back to school and everything. But she's like, leave that behind. Like that's for college things but now that you're Miss Jamaica world that's not important do not share that I remember getting that information at that at that point in time and you're still young I mean at the time I was 23 uh, and you're very new to this you know you're very inexperienced and this person had a lot of experience and in that moment I honestly could have made that decision to shop or stage uptown um because because it wasn't true and I will still tell people today, even when they say, oh, we love your outfits and you know this. I love your outfit. I love this. I tell them straight up, downtown, Orange Street. I don't want anyone to feel like because I have attained a certain status, I guess, in their eyes. It means that all of a sudden I'm going to switch. No, I will continue. And I thought that that was something very important going forward. It was important to me that people know exactly what I represent exactly what I'm about. So when they buck me downtown, don't be surprised. Because I already told you that that's where I shop. So I wasn't afraid of the stigma. Um, some of the nicest people I've met uh, along my journey were from downtown. The woman who always yeah. made the fruits, the guys who always watch my car and big me up and say, oh, Terry, you know, some of the nicest people I know were from downtown and I didn't see any reason to, to, to leave them out of my, my story or my journey. Okay. Interesting. So we're going to go back now to Miss World. You reach, you're in China. Yeah. Right? Sanya, China, if I'm mistaken. Sanya, China. See, tell her, pay attention now. I was watching it the entire time. Um, tell us about that, 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 at that point, you now being there, the, you are now, and what I'm going to coin, the, the black doll with the afro, um, mm-hmm. the quintessential um, black a- African-looking woman. Mm-hmm. What was that like during that period? Were there any types of biases? Um, if there were, how did you how did you overcome that? Gee, um, 
G, let me tell you. Yes, yeah, so when you come off the plane and they come and collect you at the airport and they put in these buses and you're looking at Miss Uruguay, Paraguay, Venezuela, Colombia, Panama, Mexico, you're looking at Iceland, Norway, Kazakhstan, all kind of country that you can't pronounce their name. Beautiful women. And you're going, hmm. That's probably the first, the first thing you probably want to say is women do yeso. And funny enough, that wasn't my first, my, that wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, wow, these women are absolutely beautiful. And the second thought I had was, I'm gonna have such a great time. And I actually think that that personality is what got me through um, the local leg as well. And I've told many girls who are vying for that coveted um, title, whether it's Miss Jamaica World or Miss Universe Jamaica, I tell them the girl who overthinks a lot, who's a control freak, that girl never wins. It's usually the girl who's just really learning and having fun. And um, biases were there. When we got there, um, the photographers, the press, the media, and even the citizens of China, you know, whenever we were in a particular area, persons would come because they want to see the queens and they want to take photos they would always go towards the girls who are Latin American and the girls who are European. So they had us broken up into different groups. So you had North America, you know, South America, you had um, Latin America, you had like Europe uh, and you had um, the Caribbean and you had Africa. And it was, it was, it was very obvious that they were not even, they didn't even care about yeah. us from the Caribbean or from Africa, for that matter. They would skirt over us. They would push you out of the way to get a picture with Miss Norway. They push you out of the way to, you know, and sometimes they had these press conferences and they would select, they would handpick girls. And I remember there were a lot of girls representing a lot of countries who started to doubt themselves, who started to cry, who said that they wanted to go home because this was just unfair. And... For me, that's just never my problem. My problem is, my, my, my attitude is always, that's all right. That's all right. You're, you're behaving this way because you don't know how good it is over this side. You're behaving like this because this is all you know. But eventually, you're going to know. And so my idea was to just always understand that this is not really about Terry Carell. The sash across my chest said Jamaica. Jamaica. So I need to show up for Jamaica, whether they're my tech picture or not, I'm going to show up for my country. And eventually, gee, what started to happen was for these little press conferences, for these little, you know, gatherings that they can only select a couple girls from each um, category, they'd say, Miss Jamaica, could you go upstairs and change, please? We need it to, 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 to fill in. And I said, okay, no problem. And I do one here and I do one there. And then all of a sudden I realized I'm being photographed by the, the photographers. I'm showing up in their local newspaper. Um, I remember going on a, on, a, on a trip and we went to this monastery to meet these monks. And, you know, some of the girls went over and, you know, they were taking these beautiful photos. I mean, only things are selfie and, and, and filter and social media nice. Now you should have seen when the girls were taking all of these beautiful photos. And I went over to the monks and I was like, hey, I always see you guys in the movies doing all of these amazing tricks and i want to learn them tricks <laughs> before i go back to my country like show me some bruce lee things you know and i remember them laughing and i remember a monk doing a trick in front of me and i basically said well i'm gonna do it too and that photo got taken 
and it was published in the local newspaper. So while everybody was doing what everybody else was doing, I was just always doing what Terry Carell does. does. You, you know, and so uh, eventually what started to happen, I'm bilingual. I speak, I, I started, you know, speaking to the other girls who speak Spanish and I'm moving around different tables for breakfast, lunch, dinner, meeting all the other girls. And in that year, each girl was allowed two votes. You could vote for the girl of your country and you'd vote for another girl in the competition. And so I would have Paraguay, Uruguay, Colombia, then they would come to me and say, Mr. Maker, I told my papa to vote for you, you know? And so you say thanks, you laugh, and it, it's, not, it's nothing that you really think about. But on that final night, when they called me as the, the public choice for the Caribbean, and I remember getting my question, I remember feeling the sense of joy, and I'm going to tell you why. In my year, nobody came. Right. So typically for persons who are not aware, typically the franchise holder goes in that year. And if the family has money, family members go. Right. And it depends mm -hmm. on what yeah. the country is. Yeah. Um, my, my franchise holder did not go in this year. My mother couldn't afford like nobody in my family could afford a ticket to come to come to China. And so, you know, you're on the stage and you see. Philippines and Puerto Rico and you see all of these countries that travel in masses and they have their flags and I just remember when they called my country and I looked to the to the right and left my flag came up on the sides and I said that is enough I didn't have a flag in the audience I didn't have anybody there in the audience but I was like I know Jamaica is here with me and I get a chance to see my flag flanked and I think that was probably one of the proudest moments um for me, for sure. Okay. You mentioned a couple of times where um, you were just showing up. Mm -hmm. And you used that, that exact phrase, showing up. Um, did you know that's what you were doing? And was that something that you set out to do? Because I know it's something that you talk about now. In Correct. terms of your, your, your car videos and everything. You tell people about showing up. Even when you did an interview, you said... Just from head to toe. That's something that we, ha we have in common as well. Did you know at that point in your life that that's what it was? Was it showing up or was it just you being you? It was me. I think it was me being me. So, you know, for example, even when we speak about personal branding, we never used personal branding back in the day. We said it was your reputation. We were like, Correct. protect your reputation, try to ensure that you have a good reputation so that your integrity, your credibility goes before you, right? Try to have a good name. So for me... All it was, was this was the kind of um, character, the character building that my grandma did and my mother supported. And so all I knew how to do was to be excellent in everything you do. If you're going to commit to something and you're going to put your name beside something, you're going to volunteer for something, whether somebody will pay your feet or not, you are to honor it. Autograph your name with excellence. All right. And so for me, I'm in these spaces and all I can do is one, be myself. And number two, showing up was just me, just doing me how I know how to do me and doing it with excellence. So whether or not them, they call my name, I was going to deliver my excellence. Mm -hmm. If they have a different definition of what their idea of beauty is, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. That's okay. But I know that any room I go into, it is not something that I'm going to put on. You are going to get what, whatever you see is what you get. 
but my excellence is always going to be unconditional. It does not, it's not tied or predetermined by other people. People you're always are the place that you are. Yeah, yeah. So it's later on I found out now that, you know, it's the art of showing up. And I'm like, oh, so that's what it was called. And that's what I encourage persons within my online community, as you know, to show up. Even when they're paying you $2 a week, show up. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's virtual and you have a virtual meeting, show up. Because you never know who is watching, who is listening, and opportunities that are waiting, but they will only be unlocked when you are ready to show up. Because if you can't show up for yourself, how are you going to show up for others? Amen. An interesting thing that you've said earlier, um, when you're in the past, and this is something I've also noticed about you, um, are you studying me for Garfield? <laughs> I'll never pass, but I'll come close. It's all right. <laughs> How important or why is it? No, let me, let me go back and backtrack. Oftentimes when we're walking, when you see someone, um, more often not, it's a, it's a woman, but you, you have done it to men before. You see them and you say, your dress is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your blouse is beautiful. Oh, that's a nice makeup. Yes. You compliment people a lot, even when you don't know them. Is that something that is, I don't want to say it's natural, but why do you do it? Um, What is the expected outcome for you Uh or what do you want to happen? Uh Um, My grandmother, my grandmother told me that ever since I was a little girl, I would always go up to people because I was precocious, very outspoken, very precocious, just as like how I'm trying to raise my daughter right now. And my grandmother said that as a little, little girl, she said maybe two, three, four, you know, I'd go up to women and say, oh, fabulous dress. Oh, mm-hmm. fabulous hat. And, you know, everybody would always laugh. But then I think what happens is over a period of time, I realized more than likely that when you pay a compliment, not only does it feel good to the person who receives it, but it feels good for you. I don't know about anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I have found that a lot of the times we think highly of people. A lot of the times we rate, we admire, we respect people, but we don't tell them. I don't know if we expect people to just be mind readers or we assume and, that, yeah, people, no. you know, they have everything, you know, all together that they don't, they don't really need me to tell you. And it's like, no, you would, you'd be surprised to know that when you stop and tell somebody, yo, you're looking sharp, you know, how you just add an extra pep in them step. You know, it's, it's just, it's just something that I like to do. And I don't do it to gas people up. Like, I'm not going to go and throw shade. Like, when I pay a compliment, this is how I truly feel. And if nobody don't tell you today, Terry Carella got tell you today, the boy looks so amazing, you know? And I've always seen that extra smile, that, oh my gosh, thank you, that unexpected glow. Um, and that, or that change yeah. in the body language just by saying those words. For yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. Even student, even even schoolgirls. Sometimes I see schoolgirls, and I will go over and I say, "Oh my goodness, you're so neat. Look at your uniform." And this is after school, and you will see them. Yes, miss. You know, you you, you see a certain level, a certain of, level of pride. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. I and I will do that until the day that I die. And I and I try to encourage other persons. If you can pay a compliment, it not gonna kill you. It not take anything away from you, you know. So that's what I, I I do, and I and I do it unapologetically. Amen. We're here for it, and a lot of us are learning, and we're doing doing the same. Um, I, I can tell you that I I find myself doing it a lot more as well, because I've again just from 
seeing you do it and I've seen a, a couple others do it as well. I see the change in person's mm-hmm. demeanor and um, it's normally for the better. You know, you have some who either they're not, they're caught off guard by it and they don't know how to respond or they're simply just like, you're weird because it's not the norm. But more often than not, I see where it actually changes a person's disposition. Yeah. And I think that is something that they probably will carry out, not even not more than throughout the day, but even for the rest of their life. That one time when somebody, a random stranger, just oh, made yeah. them a compliment. Oh, yeah. And I think we, we I think sometimes we forget to 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 realize that, you know, people going through a lot. People processing yeah. a lot of personal trauma, professional trauma, people trying to pay bills, trying to make ends meet. And, right. you know, some some people are on a thread, Garfi. I'm not going to lie. Some people are on a thread. And I I recall one time um, a girl in my Insta family, you know, I, I came on my, my live, or I think it was my stories, and I was just giving joke, you know. And she sent me a message and said, I was just about to take my life. I kid you not. And you know that I get these kinds of messages. Mm-hmm. She said, I was just about to take my life and your, your IG circle lit up. And she said, I found myself laughing and thinking um, and, and feeling good for, you know, the first in a very long time and re- remembering what laughter and life really felt like. And she said, I decided not to. And I'm going to try my best now to 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 love myself and to live within laughter. And, you know, it's things like that that you realize that you have the power a lot of us sometimes have the power to release people. And again, it doesn't take to any influence to actually influence. Absolutely. And to release people. And so to say yeah. you look gorgeous today to somebody who probably feel like the ugliest person in the world. Yo, you just made, you could have made their year. Wait, you know? Correct. Correct. I'm happy you brought up that example of that young lady who, who would have seen your circle. Mm-hmm. Um, light up and then you know kind of change her mind from taking her own life so in your own space doing your own thing you are redirecting people's lives um by just being you right um that wasn't even that that's that's a statement not even a question you are redirecting people's lives um so i'm now going to ask you this why redirection that name redirection why a podcast what made you branch out into this this niche because nobody know nobody knows put them a bit nobody never know about podcasts no some of us knew about podcasts and that it was this, this thing over there that uh, only a few people would listen to a, a particular niche now what made you take it upon yourself to say mm-hmm. okay i am going to throw myself in this podcast and i'm going to call it redirection all right. Number one, uh, I call it redirection because I think it's something that everyone faces. Like no matter how different we are, whether it is our gender, background, race, religion, it, just nationality. I think all of us have a common thread apart from just being human beings is a lot of us can relate to things that don't go as planned. You know, having dreams shattered, yeah. being rejected, being dejected and disappointed. And all of a sudden your life takes on this other turn, the roadblocks, the detours. And these redirections, a lot of times we think are the worst things ever. Because that's what we're taught. You know, when we go to school, the people then tell us, study hard, get the grades. When you graduate, you're going to get paid, take care of your bills, marry Prince Charming or whoever. And it's just going to be fantastic. 
retire and then yeah. yeah yeah but nobody actually tells you that you know you're going to book upon some things and it's going to be okay and and so for me what i want to do was to kind of help us reimagine what redirection looks like it's not necessarily a bad thing we're to embrace it it's opportunity it's exploratory go for it so that's why i came up with the term um redirection mm-hmm. number two i came up I, i decided to do a podcast because i think as everyone gets access to you know social media and these different uh, platforms give you these features that you can do things live it's all well and good and you know i see a lot of persons doing interviews but i just wanted it to be um intimate i didn't want it to be where people are looking at a set and being distracted by how nice the decor is in the back or looking at people and what they're wearing i just wanted it to be voices voices and a story and what i said to myself was i didn't want my podcast or my guests to be um like you know these super celebrities and i you know i'm not i'm not i'm not in the space because i want you know a lot of listenership and big ratings because of the people who i invite because of their names i wanted to find people who persons have never heard about in their lives average regular people who have amazing stories and i thought that if that if those stories do well then it just speaks to the fact that people really just want um wholesome stories it really doesn't matter if you're a public figure or if you're a celebrity they actually just want to know that people like themselves you know not just the 1% they want to know that somebody who looks like them sounds like them can have an amazing redirection story so i wanted it to be more of radio more voice and i wanted it to be non invasive So if I did this on YouTube people would probably have to stop and watch and you know look while I'm listening whereas in a with a podcast it's it's very passive it's passive listening so whether you want to wash your dishes or sweep your floor or turn on you know while you're still shower for shower you know it's the first time you showed I listened while I was showering I remember that I was in Portland I remember that <laughs> I was showering and I was just like you mind my Oh, it's okay, passive. Yeah. It's passive, and I think um, that's how I want to be. I never. I, I just always want the experience to be personal and intimate. And wherever someone is, if they if they want a good story, then hopefully they'll find it while listening to Redirection with Terry Carell. Okay. Okay. So I want to stick a little pin right there before we go into the big thing. You know, the big T. You're so excited. <laughs> I am going to ask you, looking back at a pivotal moment in your life, you can choose any pivotal moment that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um, was it expected at that point? And if not, where did you see yourself? As, as a matter, where did you see yourself after that moment? Pivotal moment, getting pregnant. Okay. I don't, I don't usually talk about yeah. my pregnancy. Let's talk about Let's it. Talk about it. So, um, I, I mean, as married, and you know, everyone kind of expects that you suppose you're supposed to get you're supposed to get pregnant, right? But mm-hmm. I, I really was not interested in getting pregnant anytime soon. To be very honest with you, even though I got pregnant at 30, which is late in comparison to some persons' um, ideas of, of of pregnancy and the right age. But I don't know. I think at that time I had just come out of Cuba. You know, you just started to find a footing, you know, with your career. I just signed on for Digicel Rising Stars um and boom. I find out I'm pregnant. No mark you. I did like two pregnancy tests and they were like negative. And then the month passed and I was like my period is never late. 
So I go into my OBGYN and I'm like, anyways, a period didn't come, but I know I'm not pregnant. <laughs> and in two seconds on that stick, I see these two lines. And honestly, you know, I know a lot of women are like, oh my God, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. You know, and I, and, and, and I am sensitive to women who want to get pregnant and can't get pregnant. Eh? I'm sensitive to that. But me personally, when I saw the two lines, I mean, yeah, I was I was devastated. I can't even explain to you. I was just like, what? And I'll sit on my camera, ball. I'll never forget it. I'll ball. And then I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Digital Rising Stars coming up. I'm going to be on TV. It's my first ever. It's my first opportunity as a as a host. And and by the way, you also had Miss Jamaica at the time. Yeah, I was also the yeah I was also the pageant director, and at the time, I I, I want to be very clear, I wasn't devastated because I had all of this career thing going on. I was I was devastated because I didn't think I was ready, mentally or physically. I just did, I just wasn't there at all. Um, and on top of it, I had all of these other things dealing with, and I'm now thinking, you know, how am I going to pull off the next four months on live TV? I don't have, I've never experienced anybody else in my family who's pregnant. I don't know if I'm going to carry big. I don't know if I'm going to have morning sickness. I don't know if my throat will swell up. I don't have a clue. And I remember contacting Sean Schroeder and saying, she was one of the few people. And when I say few people, I, 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 I never shared with nobody. Nobody on, nobody on the crew knew. I remember, because I never knew, but I picked up, I remember. You're too fast. It's fast. You're fast. <laughs> <laughs> fast. You're fast. No, but, but I, t- I called Sean, you know, and I was just like, um, it was the day that I went in to do my first technical run. It was a Tuesday. I, I remember everything yeah. vividly. And I said, Sean, you know, I said, I just found out I'm pregnant. And she said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, I have no intention of telling anyone. I don't want to be treated any differently. I don't want people knowing about this. I do not want this in the newspaper. I don't want anybody asking me any questions about the sex and the name and all of those other stupid questions that people ask people when they're pregnant. That's how I feel. I'm just saying, Garfield knows that I'm very frank where this is concerned. I don't want yeah. people touching my belly because when people find out you're pregnant, all of a sudden people feel like they can just rub your stomach. I said, yeah. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be on time. And I said, I'm just letting you know, because in the event that anything happens, you need to know what my, my, my status is. And I just went through on every, every Saturday and every Sunday showing up and, you know, my little baby was coming along. And I don't think it was until the last trimester, I think, that I really said, OK, well, I'm going to be a mom. I didn't think about it at all. I didn't think about my pregnancy at all. Um, and I really have to big up um, Trini, Melissa, because she was my prayer warrior. And I think she carried me through my pregnancy. And, 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 I, and I think it's a very pivotal moment. I think um, it really spoke wonders. And to see the relationship I have with, with Naima now, you know, you'd never imagine. So sometimes you, you anticipate the struggle. You're not ready for, for a lot of things, but then you realize that you are ready. And everything mm-hmm. is happening at the time that it's supposed to happen. Okay. Thank you for that. I know not a lot of people know that story. And it's, it, it, it's so funny that you were able to go from that feeling of, oh my God, I can't believe I'm pregnant, 
to now having this child, this amazing child, who is your everything. Yes. Who has not only given you, given you, you know, that joy of just being a parent, mm -hmm. but also given you um, one of your biggest opportunities to date. Yes. Because it is as a result of this little girl, why you were able to find yourself on the TEDx stage. So we're now on a fast track into TEDx and what that felt like. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever see yourself on the TEDx stage? First, first of all, let me start with that. Um, no, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because that's the, always the first question that I ask my guests when they come on my um, show. I ask them, Is this what you thought was going to happen? Honestly, no. Darfine, you know, I, I like to watch my TED videos. I watch my TED Talks. I watch my TEDx Talks. I'm always um, in awe of these different speakers and the different industries and sectors that they work in. And, you know, these are persons sharing this one idea that is worth spreading, you know, and, and provoking thought mm -hmm. and challenging uh, other ideas, existing ideas. And um, it's something that I've always um, loved and admired, but I never in a million years thought I'd end up um, on that stage. Now, I've had persons within my community who have said, can't wait for your TED Talk. I've had persons tag and say, listen, this girl needs to be on a TED Talk. I've had people tell me that, but you just kind of brush it off and say, you're so kind, yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're so cute. But I, I never, I never took that thought seriously, ever, ever. And then now fast track to 2020. Um, 2021, mm -hmm. and you're at TEDx. Um, tell us about the first time you got that email. Walk us through that, your thought process, your reaction, who you call, what honestly, you do. Honestly, when I got that first email, I look behind me, then I look back at the computer, I say, you're a scam. <laughs> I say, you know, these, these, these damn scammers have figured out even how to find different brands, you know, and I'm looking for the part where they're going to say, you know, you can, you can be a speaker on TEDx stage. All you have to do is send a hundred dollars. I just <laughs> sign, sign Prince Umbujo or something like that. So I, I was, I, honestly, I was shocked. And I, I think I read the email about five times because I just want to, make sure that it was actually sent to the right person that I'm supposed to be the recipient. And then it was absolute honor and pride. And um, it was a surreal because you ask yourself, how did I get here? Get here, yeah. You know, how did I get here? And then they, you know, they, they explained, it was TEDx Aston University. They're saying, well, our theme is untapped and we thought you'd be perfect for this. And I'm like, but how they find me? Yeah, yeah. The world, you know, we have 7 billion people in the world. Um, how do they fine tune, narrow down, drill down to Jamaica, one of the smallest islands in the world? And then within Jamaica now, pick me out. It, it just felt so random. But then I know that the God that I serve is not random. And I, and I just realized that it was just everything that I had been doing. And I always encourage people, you have to water your seed. Be consistent with your seed. Be authentic with your seed. Continue to align. Do not deviate from who you are and what you believe in. And I always say you never know who is watching. watching. And yeah. so over the years, one of the committee members had been a member of my community watching me over the years and watching me in different spaces. 
And they said, we think that you would be uh, perfect. And naturally, I thought it was going to be, oh, untapped. Oh, the story of the veterinarian who became the personality. Yeah, no. They looked at me and said, actually, no, there is something else that you do very well. And it's different and it's um, it's refreshing to see. And it's your relationship with your daughter and your parenting style. And I was like, what? As a person who never wants to be pregnant at the time, it's like mind blowing. Yeah. Blowing. You know, the person who was just like, what am I going to do with a girl? I've been a tomboy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to like plot here and I do not relate to girls. And, you know, I'm thinking about all of these things, all, all of, of these things. things that I think will work against me. And nine years the later. negative self-talk. Correct. And nine years later, I get this opportunity of a lifetime because I showed up as a parent for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. A great story. And um happy that I was um, privy to be a part of that story. So I know what was going on in the background. Yeah, you knew for months. You knew for so months the- <laughs> before, before I was able to, uh, before we were so able to I, officially announce it. And I was able to keep that secret. That's, that's, that's. Good friend, Dr. and pocket money. And no secret, but keep saying it. Another one. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to know fast track to um, the whole TEDx experience yeah. um, and what that was like for you. So I think I, where I want to start, mm-hmm. I want to start with you getting to the airport and what happened at the airport straight oh. up until when you hit that stage. Right. So um, for persons who may not have known, I revealed to Naima that I had been invited to go to TEDx, uh, Aston University. And she was like, wow. And the first thing she says is, are you taking me? <laughs> I'm like, hey, girl, you're supposed to say congratulations. You're supposed precocious. to say for me. But the, being the precocious person she is, she said, well, are you taking me? And then she said, well, it's because of me. Why you got the invitation? <laughs> So for weeks, you know, as the time is running out and we're getting closer, she see me booking tickets, you know, she see me get ready for my trip and, you know, she gets all mopey and I wish I could come and um, I can't come and I tell her, no, you know, you have to stay here. You have to do school. This is going to be fast. Mommy's going to come back. Um, and and a long story short, you know, she drives me, I, I drive her to the airport and then I I, I'm having my conversation with her in the car and I'm telling her, be a good girl, take up your book, you know, do these things that we always practice. I'll be back in a jiffy. She starts bawling because she's like, Ugh. and then I'm like, listen, anyways, taking up a whole heap of time because we need to go and catch our flight. And she was like, huh? She's like, what? I said, yeah, come. Your ticket is booked. We need to go. And so she didn't know that she was going to UK until I surprised her with it. And then she cried even more when she realized that she was going to, to the UK. And so um, what we were able to do was she was able to experience um, the UK for the first time. She was able to see me in a different capacity because many times she sees me in the capacity of an event host where I shine the spotlight on speakers. I shine the spotlight on panelists. But now she's seeing me in the capacity of a speaker that the light is being shone on on me. And and, and certainly what it helped to do was to uh, fortify 
our relationship. I think what we were able to do, the places we went to, she took her train for the first time. Um, you know, we were able to create memories that I hope she will just never, ever, ever forget. And I hope she will just always use this as a reference point, um, you know, of pride when she thinks of me. Okay. That's also, that sounds so nice. It sounds like the perfect journey. Like everything was just seamless, smooth, like nothing happened. But I know that's not the case. So what I'm going to ask now, what were some of the things that knocked you down throughout this entire TEDx experience? Mm -hmm. And what made you progress to mm -hmm. push forward and continue? What, 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 and I'm putting your words, what redirected your mindset on this yeah. trajectory? Yeah, this was tough. This was tough. I mean, it wasn't even the quarantine, right? You knew what you were getting yourself into because mm -hmm. at the time when I was traveling to the UK, the UK did not acknowledge or, or accept our vaccination. So even though I went there fully vaccinated, we still had to quarantine. We still had to do our, you know, our COVID tests. And then there was this scare because somebody on our flight might have been positive. And it was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're not, we're not going to do this. Like, you know, you, we're not going to have this incident where, where, you know, what you think is going, is happening with somebody else. You know, we're doing all of our tests because we have to pre-purchase, you know, I'm doing my COVID tests I'm taking nine months COVID tests. We're showing up negative all the time, but then there's this scare of, you know, somebody on your flight might have been positive. And I want to be very honest with you. You see that, that really bowled me over because I was like, God, I know that you're not going to bring me this far. So drop me like a hot putty. I know that yeah. the Holy Spirit is not an embarrassing spirit. And so many people were happy for me. And a lot of people rooting I know were rooting for me and people who were, you know, with me in spirit. I'm like, you're not going to carry me to the edge and just be like psych who does that so yeah. you know i think it's the very first time that it's the first time that i cried actually in, in and, and naima was like oh my gosh mom are you okay and she hugged me and um she said don't worry about it you know if we don't get to see the london eye and if we don't get to see here and there you know it's fine and i was like you know this little girl is just so empathetic and she's so brave you know, she's not pouting, she's not complaining, but rather she's saying it's okay. And I'm like, yeah, but if it turns out that somebody was positive on our flight, then I could pass, I, it's a possibility that I may not be able to deliver my TEDx talk. And then she started to cry. And I was like, oh God, look at the two of us just sitting down in this room, quarantined, bawling, you know, but it, I mean, it, it worked out, thank God, but it worked out like at the very last minute. So I wasn't able to attend the rehearsals. I wasn't able to be a part of that. And so I am flying blind when I get into Birmingham. I am, I am in comparison to all of the other speakers, I feel like a fish out of water because I would have missed out on all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then my partner, um, who is like one of my biggest supporters, my biggest cheerleaders, my everything, you know, what he says. Yes, hoops. Hoops, you know, he jumps on a plane and he is coming over to support me to be in the audience and he lands safely and we're whatsapping each other okay so how is everything going and like about four o'clock four thirty in the evening marking my my delivery takes place the next day yeah he says boy babe i'm gonna have to turn around and i'm like what do you mean what 
What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, um, because I'm coming in from a red list country. And so I'm going to have to stay over in the airport. And now, well, you know, you know how I felt. Like, I was just like, nothing, just nothing is going my way. Nothing is working out. Um, you know, it's scare after scare. And it just felt like everything was falling apart. I'm still trying to remember my script, still trying to memorize my script. Um, it just felt like a lot. And I remember the night before, I think I was WhatsApping you. And I was like, you know, this is what's going on. And you were like, what do you mean? And I said, yeah, he's actually here in the UK at the airport. And he will not be here in the audience um, tomorrow. And that sucks. And so all of this is happening hours before I go on a stage. You understand? You know, your mind's supposed to be nice and clear. You're supposed to be feeling awesome. And then everything comes crashing down. And I just remember... I just remember saying, well, this is it. You know, you have to go out and you have to show up and you have to deliver despite the, the, the disappointments, despite the, the distraction, yeah? You know, despite all of these things, you're just gonna have to do it. And you're accustomed to this. You, you know how to show up when times are really hard and dark and, and this should be no different. And I just remember going to bed like one o'clock in the morning and getting up extremely early and just putting on my suit and saying, well, this is it, you know, do or die. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what's going on. Nobody cares. That's your personal thing. You will deal with it afterwards. And I just went out there and I just delivered as best as I could. Mark, it's a blur to me, right? It's, it's a haze. If you ask you what I said, it's a huge haze, but, um, you know, I'm still pleased that despite the, the disappointments, you know, I was able to, to, to live with it. Yeah, I, I get all that. Um, but when you talk about this experience, you talk about it as if it was a simple one tool, like it was a breeze, like yeah, no. in the park no. for you. In that, in that moment, I would like you to open up and let us know what are some of the thoughts that was going through your head at that moment and what got you out of it. What was that thing that made you push past all of that negativity and say, listen, I can do this. Yeah, my spirit was broken. My, my spirit was absolutely broken. Um, you know, it's this anticipation. It's, it's sharing these amazing micro moments and macro moments with the people who you love. It is thinking about the inconvenience and just the safety of, of your partner. You know, you, you, you don't want to ever know that somebody is, is uncomfortable. And I, I mean, and you know, he's going to be okay. Because, you know, he's the calmest person ever. He's going to be yeah, like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just knowing all of that and everything. Just, you see, it's not even as if it happened over the period of like three, four, five days. These things were happening, as you know, within like a 24-hour oh, time span. Yeah. Time span. And it's like hours before I'm supposed to go on the stage. And so, yeah, my spirit was broken. And I was just like, yo, I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, I don't even want to do this talk. I just want to get on my plane and just turn around and go home, you know, into the comfort yeah. and safety of my, 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 my family and be with who I love because... So to come this far and to have such disappointment, it's just like, what's the purpose? You know, mm -hmm. what's the purpose? So you, so I had that moment of, you know, when I'm just pissed, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was bloody pissed. And you were like, don't worry about it. You're going to do great. And I was like, shut up. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's true. At one point you told me, listen, I don't want to hear that. I just want to, I just want to be angry. And I was like, yes, I know. 
and you're allowed to be angry. However, me on the other hand, I have to be the one to put to can do it. But cheer me on, you know. And, and, so and, I can empathize, but we still have to push. Right. And and that is something that I preach, right? So what I preach is, yo, know, if you're feeling down in the dumps, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. You're human. We are we are meant to feel, and it's okay to be sad or angry or depressed or all of them because many times we can pass through different kinds of emotions um, as we go along a particular uh, emotional journey so for me it's like yeah you can feel that way and it's okay to vent ball if you want ball go to bed if you want go to bed you know vent to your friend you can do anything you want but you can't stay there forever it can't be permanent and my, my saying is that the pain is not permanent this pain and anger and anguish cannot be permanent. And a big part of that is at some point in time, you have to realize this is bigger than me. And I go back to a place where I, am, I understand I am not in control of everything. And I can only control the things that I can control. So what can I control? Right now, I can control my attitude. So, okay, Terry, we're not going to be a stinker, or as I would normally call you, Garfield, a crab apple. You're not going to be a crab apple. You're bad, you feel bad about it, you're, you're sad, you're, you're mad, you're, you're angry, but no, you're going to let it go. And so I think at about midnight, what I did was I just let it go. And when I let go things, as you very well know, I don't look back. So I let it go. I, I accepted what it was for what it was. And then I remind myself now about the bigger picture. You know, so I move from, I don't want to be here. What's the point of being here to there's a huge reason why I'm here. There is something that I'm going to say that has tremendous impact and influence and somebody in this audience needs to hear it, whether it gets published or not. And I'm yeah. going to honor it. And because I'm going to honor it, I'm going to show up regardless. If you could do, or if you got the opportunity to do this whole tennis experience again, what would you do differently? Would you do anything differently? Absolutely nothing. Oh, why? Because I think everything happens for a reason. I, I absolutely believe it. I don't think anything is by chance. I don't think anything is by coincidence. I think that you are where you are. I think you are where you're supposed to be. I think things that come at you are there to challenge you. I don't think you can improve or grow if everything is just perfect. If conditions are just perfect and everything is just nice and lovely, you know, how do you grow? How do you figure out your capacity? How do you increase your capacity? How do you figure out resourcefulness? How do you become agile? How do you become adaptable if things are just always going according to plan? And so for me, as hard as it was dealing with those scares and the fright and the this and the that, you know, it made this, it made this experience that much more important to me because I can look back on that moment and I can say, yo, despite all of these little things that kind of tug that emotionally, yo, I still got it done. And so I wouldn't change anything. And you know what, G, it would really be remiss of me to, to not mention the amazing TEDx Aston University team. I mean, when you talk about 
the high caliber of young professionals. You know, these are university students who are putting on this independent event and one just the way in which they rallied and they communicated and they wanted to ensure that all of us as speakers, we were comfortable and that we understood everything and even understanding, you know, my plight and all of these things that were seemingly happening and unraveling right before my presentation, you know, they were extremely accommodating. Uh, they, they, they tried to facilitate as much as possible. And I, I think that it is because of how they handled us and how they dealt with us, uh, why the experience was, it turned out to be lovely to be very, very honest with you. So, I mean, I really do want to take the opportunity to thank Monique and Noor. And for even looking outside of the UK, this was the first time they were inviting myself and Zachary Harding as the two Jamaicans. So we were the first outsiders, you know, international speakers outside of the UK. And even that was an honor. So uh, I just really want to thank the TEDx Aston University team for just everything. They put on a fantastic production and I am privileged to have been a part of it. Okay. Um, what was your feeling like on the stage under those big lights? Because you're in a different position. You're in the you're in the opposite position. What was that like? And then after, what was the reception like? The people, the personalities. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, well, well. First of all, what I did was I showed up early at the auditorium because I wasn't able to do the rehearsal, and so. Rehearsals. Right. So what I did was I showed up extra early just to ensure that I had a good understanding of my video. Is my video OK? Um, you know, the monitors, where do I stand? You know, where do I enter the stage? And so and, and I think that is also how I treat event hosting. Right. I always go early. I get the lay of the land. I don't take anything for chance. It doesn't matter how much of a great speaker you are or how natural you are on stage. I think it's important for you to always go early and to prepare yourself. So what I did was um, when I got on the stage, so, so now I'm being mic'd. I'm the first speaker, by the way. And I'm just like, why am I the first speaker? But um, <laughs> they chose me to be the first speaker. And I remember when they mic'd me. I was fine. All the way up, I was not nervous, nothing. You see, when they mic'd me downstairs, and then you heard the music, and you saw the, the, the screens come alive. And then you see the director say, welcome to TEDx. I say, yes, Jesus, I eat this now, you know? You know, say, I eat this. And I remember, <laughs> I swear to you. Hey, listen, it's like all of a sudden you realize uh, it really, really, like you pinch yourself and you say, well, I eat this. Um, day, uh, yeah. And I remember when they called my name, and I could hear the audience because you enter from a lower platform. So you enter up, you go up the stairs and then you enter on that iconic red carpet. And I remember hearing the people applaud and you know, you get to this um, circle and I assume that auditorium would be dark. I'm assuming that you won't see anybody's faces because this is how it is. The lights are in your face so you can't see anybody. You can see everybody's face. You can see everybody I And I just remember saying, good morning. I didn't even know if I could have said good morning or not, but you know, so we come from Jamaica, we come from the West Indies, so we have manners. manners. I, said, <laughs> I said, good morning. And then I started with imagine. And I finished. I finished within my time. I said, thank you. I came off the stairs. Uh, I came off the stage and I actually said, I'm happy that I went first. You know, sometimes we don't like to go first. 
but you realize that when you go first, yeah, you set the tone, you set the precedence, and yes, a lot of pressure, but when you deliver it, you come mm -hmm. off. The pressure is now off you, off you, you know. Now you get to sit down and you get to enjoy the show while everybody else is still nervous, you know. Uh, and, and one thing I will say is I appreciated the feedback. So it was um, uh, women from Pakistan, from India, uh, who are Muslim, you know, a lot of them came to me and said, um, you did a great, 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 great job. And job. The, topics, the topics that you spoke about really resonated because they're still taboo in our countries. And they were saying that they absolutely love the fact that Naima was there. In fact, I wasn't even the star Garfield. Naima get called out before I even touched the stage. People were like, oh, where's Naima? Naima is here. And Naima, stand and Naima get applause and everybody's coming and saying, hi, you know, Dr. Reed, uh, thanks for coming. Great presentation. But your daughter. And I'm like, what do you mean, but my daughter when I am the superstar here? I don't understand. So, so, uh, so she, she got a chance to also hear the feedback, you know, and she got a chance to hear how I view her and how um seeing her grow and seeing the things that she does how it inspires me to be a better parent and so um i thought it was just an amazing experience and and, and it is something that it will definitely go down in my in my history as one of the greatest moments in my life and being able to share it with my daughter made it even better okay okay we're gonna wrap up on on on, on ted talk now but before we do that because we're going to go into the personal after this. But just wrapping up the professional with the TED Talk, what was the one thing, was the one major takeaway that you have from that TED Talk experience? I have so many uh, from two different angles. From a personal angle, you know, in a world where people feel as if they have to wear masks and they have to try to be other people and they have to try to fit in in order to be noticed and in order to get ahead or to get by. Um, I think when you, I can tell you that my TEDx journey and my TEDx experience is as a result of me being exactly who I am. Me always standing in my truth, me being unapologetically authentic and sharing the things that matter most to me a lot of a lot of times we think we have to share a bag of things we have to overshare we have to try appeal to everybody and no and um and and for me sometimes it's the thing that you 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 least put thought in into that holds a lot of value and so here it is this is something that i get up every day i have a car chronicles conversation with my daughter about random topics who would have known that, that would have been an opportunity. And so I think it, I think from a personal standpoint, I think it's that we should, we're never to underestimate our own stories. We're never to underestimate the things that we do well and the impact that it has on our community. And I don't think we should try to change ourselves and put on a facade um, to get opportunities. Uh, that's from the pro professional side. Having, having done TEDx, what I will say is, it does not matter how amazing you are or how great you are in a particular thing. Even as a, a public speaker, people always tell me, Terry, you know, you're so articulate, you're so eloquent, you express your thoughts so clearly, you know, fluidly. And yeah, this should be a walk in the park for you. I mean, geez. But then when you look at TEDx and you look at the rules and you look at the parameters and you look at the criteria and you realize that you have to deliver something that you typically deliver in 45 minutes to an hour, 
you have to be clean. You have to have this one idea. You have mm-hmm. to get it down to 15 minutes. You know, you have to edit and self-edit and go back and challenge yourself and get your evidence and substantiate these references. And that pushed me outside of my comfort zone, despite being a great public speaker. And so what that taught me is that no matter how great you think you are, there's always room for improvement. And we must always look not to shirk from challenges, but we are to look at them as as, as platforms that give us the opportunity to grow and to improve upon which you already stand. And I think those are my two takeaways, personally and then professionally. Amen. Thanks for that. And as, 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 as someone who has been in a corner for that, as well as being a Jamaican and just someone seeing what it is that you do and how you do it, I would just like to say on behalf of a grateful nation, <laughs> thank you so much for that. It was phenomenal, uh, phenomenal and we're waiting for the tape because we have to see that TEDx. We're speaking to Sabine, we're going to be published. So thank you. That, and, for persons, and for persons who don't who don't fully understand, even though you do a TEDx talk, it's never available immediately. They have to vet it. They have to check it. Um, and it's not just yours. It's many that are waiting in a queue and it can take as long as five to six months sometimes. So, you know, that that's what Garfi means by, you know, it being published. And but, the God, but the God that we serve is <laughs> going to make it publish before the six months. I receive it. I receive All right. it. All right. So we're going to fast track now into the personal, a little bit. Um, and I'm not going to go too personal with you. But um, Terry, what are you most afraid of? Hmm. Oh, I think what I am most afraid of is not leaving legacy for my daughter. Um, I mean, I can, I can probably say that I've already started off on a good footing, but I, I don't think that good parenting or, yeah, I don't think good parenting is just teaching your children how to speak well and how to get great grades. You know, I want her to be a great global citizen. I want her to be a, a great human being, regardless of where this journey takes her. Um, but I also want to be able to give her a good start in terms of legacy. I think a lot of us in the West Indies were accustomed to that, right? Where we don't have good plans. We don't do the life insurance. Mm -hmm. We don't do the health insurance. We don't do the retirement or the pension plans because we kind of feel like our children are our retirement plan. And um, we call it black tax. And a lot of the reasons why a lot of our um, generations don't come out of it and they don't get to really expand and grow and own assets is because a lot of them have to look back and take care of family, extended family, immediate family and siblings um, simply because a plan was not put into action. Um, And so for me, uh, you know, forget career and all of these other things. I think I've done enough to prove that, boy, I've tried to be a very good career woman and all that. Like, forget that. I think for me, it is the legacy that when Naima chooses to go on whatever path she wants to go on, I have given her the best start ever. Not spoiling her or anything, but showing her the value of money, showing her the value of um, saving it, investing it, um, prioritizing, not living above your means or outside of your means, not trying to prove things to people. Like if I fail in that area, then I think that 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 would kill me. That's what I'm most afraid of. Um, what skill would you like to learn and why? Because we know you learn. You have a whole of skill. You built your own website. Right? <laughs> you built your own website. Let, let's not forget that. Um, you're a great speaker. Uh, you're a great host. 
what else? And there's a lot more to you. You're very great at art. Remember that she does all of my projects. You're very good at fixing up things within the house. She puts all of my things together when we buy furniture. So I like to assemble puzzles. things. I like puzzles and I like to assemble things. <laughs> True, and she she like math a little bit. So can you believe it or not? She's better at me. What would you like to learn, or what skill would you like to learn now, and why? I would love to learn at least ten languages. See there. I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by languages. I mean, I know that persons are like you know vocode and become developers because you know the world is going to be very futuristic. And I do believe that that's a very important skill to have. Um, the digital the digital space. Yeah. But I think to my core, I love to communicate with people. I think to my core, I love to value people and I like to make them know that I value them. Uh, and I think it was uh, Nelson Mandela who said it, you know, when you speak to someone in a language that they know, you speak to their head. But if you speak to a man in his language, you speak to his heart. And there is something different and, and something absolutely honorable and respectable and respectful of someone who goes out of their way to learn another language, to speak to another person in their language and to honor their mother tongue. Um, it would be an honor for me to learn at least 10 languages. That would be, if, if honestly, my dream, my dream would be to drop in a country for three months and learn their language and then go to another country for three months and learn the language and then just keep on moving. My, my dream would be to be nomadic just to be immersed to learn languages because I think to my core, I love to communicate to people in a language that is theirs and they recognize and they go, ah, that means a lot to me. Yeah. What feels like love to you? Hmm. Respect. Respect. Any form of respect is love. Uh, and you know this very, you know this about me very well. And even us as best friends, and it is something that people speak about a lot of the time, as close as we are, the love that we have for each other, it comes out of the respect that we have for each other. And regardless of how long we know each other, we know each other's secret. Right now, Garfin, if you're sick enough for wipe your bottom, I do have a problem doing it. You know, the respect factor does not get lost the closer you get to someone. Somehow people get that twisted. They feel like because oh, somebody yeah. know you, then it's all right. We can we can diss them because no. If you love me and you say you love me, whether you are my partner, my lover, my friend, my colleague, my associate, my coworker, if you say you love me, it is reflected in not only how you speak to me, but also in your action. And it has to be on the foundation of respect. If you respect someone, then you you truly love them. Yeah. And that is what love feels like to me. Any form of respect feels like love to me. What I'm smiling. I'm just a song in my head. <laughs> but yeah. Last time you cried, and why? When I almost thought I was not going to do my daddy. That is the last time I cried. I tell you that much. That thing, that thing gripped my heart. I will tell you that much. But before that, I hadn't cried in, in, a, in such a long time because I think I'm in a very happy place. And you know, you know, you're aware I'm, I'm in a very happy place. I feel loved. I feel safe. I feel supported. I feel respected. respected. Yeah, I feel respected. And um, value. I feel, and I'm in a place right now, you know, um, that, and this is probably something I wish I knew a little bit when I was younger, but then you have to go through these things to, to appreciate them when they come, right? Right. Yeah. 20, 20. 
But, um, you know, it is that I am not afraid to tell people to kick rocks. Like, if you want to bully me, uh, and certainly this is for women, um, the women in particular, you know, um, if you are with somebody who diminishes you, makes you feel small, makes you feel guilty for being great, or, you know, when you sit down in a corner and just play the role of support and bend backwards and do a whole heap of thing, and, you know, people who even want to go as far as beat you and call you down, you know, they got to go. And yeah. I've, taught, I've taught my daughter that. She's nine now, and she knows that, you know, anybody who tries to diminish you or make you feel worthless, they got to go. And I think I'm at that stage where if you don't add value or if you seek to destroy or to reduce joy in my life, dude, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. I'm going to choose me all, all the time. All the time. And it's not selfish. It's self-preservation. And I all say right. that um, unapologetically. Unapologetically. Yeah. And, I, and again, you know, any, any person who decides to make you feel that way can't and they don't love you. Yeah. Correct. Um, COVID, is a, COVID is a thing, no? COVID yeah. is a thing. COVID is a thing. Uh, no, it has caused us, caused us to have a lot of um, uncomfortable um, conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my next question might be a little bit more, but it's because we, it's a reality that we live in. No. Um, but what would you want your tomb to say at the end of the day? What would I want what? You just your, tomb, your tombstone to say at the end of the day. Wow. Adesso you got that in? There. I'd want to, I, I probably would want my tomb to say, practice what I preached, practice what I preached. Um, I don't need any, you know, you know, any flowery words or any grand, you know, grand uh, words. I think I'd want to be remembered as somebody who didn't just say, do as I say, not as I do, but that I practiced what I preached. So here lies a chick, here lies a dope ass chick who practiced what she preached. Yeah. Okay. And in the middle of the questions, I see people asking all the time. Um, people come to me personally ask it about you. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to let the people know or mm-hmm. you know, enlighten them. What's next for Terika Reed? But you know the answer to that. The people want to know is not me. The people want to know what's next for Terika Reed. I don't know. I don't know. That's my honest answer. And I know that it's a very it's it's a very weird answer. Um, it's an answer that they expect you to also know when you're in prep school and primary school and through high school. Yeah. They yeah. expect you to know this. Uh, what I've come to realize, Garfine, is that the best opportunities I've had and the Terry Carell that sits and stands before many people is the Terry Carell who just allowed God to take control of her life. Yeah. It, everything that I have done, nothing that I have done has been a plan of mine. I didn't, I never go out of my way and say, you're going to be a media personality. You're going to do media. You're going to be an event host. I never have any roadmap. I wanted to be a veterinarian and that's the only thing I wanted to do. That's the only thing I can what happened. And it's the one thing that I planned for in Odyssey life that God said, eh, boof, <laughs> boof, kick down, teeth knock out, right? And so what I've allowed myself is I've literally said to God, have your way with me. I am your vessel. And if you said this door must open, even if me not understand it, and I don't understand the room or the people in the room, if you say that this door is to be mine, 
I will step through that door, understanding and believing with all my heart and all my faith, you have given me the tools to handle that room. And so I could easily become a farmer next year and it shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Yeah. I could yeah. become, yeah, I could go and I could go and get my master's in, in diversity, equity and inclusion. I don't know. I honestly yeah. don't know, but I do know that wherever it is I go, I will not stray from my core principles. That's just non-negotiable. Yeah. But I have no idea what, what my next move is. Okay, Terry. Thank you so much for enlightening discussion. Um, and that really asked me enough questions. You know, you know, I thought you were going to ask me like five and six questions. You know, say enough questions you asked me about. Thanks for being in the hot seat. I just I actually had more. I scratched out quite a few, and I was going just like, oh, no, no, ask this. Yeah, actually, listen. It's a no to unlock from Terry Carrell. You know, so I'm gonna have to just kind of narrow it down to. It's true, you know? and, and and for persons who know me, um, I don't I don't overshare. I just I am actually very private. Yeah, I'm actually very private. So there are things that I probably said today that people will probably be hearing for the first time. Yeah. What? Um, and I probably will never have these conversations again. So, again. Yeah, you know, you know me. You know, whoever here, here, um, whatever. I just always hope that something resonates with someone. I just always want them to understand that rejection will come. Redirection are gonna happen, but it is how we approach it. I think it's how we process it and how we react and respond that really determines what our next move could possibly be and if it will work in our favor or against it. Yeah, a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I leave it to you to close out the show. Go ahead and close out the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this thanks for joining us. This has been an amazing journey um it's a never never been seen never heard interview with the one and only dynamo terry carrell reed host of redirection with terry carrell with only time this week she was in the hot seat with garfield grandison asking her the interesting questions the questions that everybody wanted to hear the burning ones and so i'd like to say thanks for joining us for another riveting episode and terry thanks for opening up your your hearts and your your mind to not only me but to the, to the listeners who were graciously awaiting all the nuggets of information they have to pass on so thanks again and all the best bye bye